Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey friends, welcome to the Tennis and Bagels podcast. My name is Andre and I am here today joined only by Owen, because Vansh is having a little bit of a, a busy time lately, and he couldn't be here, but he helped us a lot during the week with uh, analysis and stats. So he's here in the in the prep. So thank you, Vansh, for helping us with tennis. And how's it going, Owen? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, might be a little tough here without our uh, fearless uh, warrior with the stats in the in the tennis history, but I'm looking forward to breaking down part of the ATP Cup, a little bit of Australian Open projection. Yeah, good to be here. How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm great. I'm great. Thanks. So one thing that we uh, we're a little bit lucky with is that ATP Cup, which we're going to be talking about today, is only in the second edition, so we don't need that much history. But definitely for the Australian Open. Um, we would miss Vansh a lot more. But yeah, lots of the stats and stuff. Um, you're going to have to bear with us today because we are not as sharp on that one. But um, we're going to be trying to get a lot of analysis on um, gameplay and strategies. And Owen is, is your guy for this one. And I'm going to be talking a little bit more of like a big picture, which is what I can do. But that's an, just an excuse to say that I'm not as good with the, the other stuff. So in any case... Um, well, that's very we flattering. Having... You're, you're talking me yeah. up. Uh, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to meet this expectation, but I appreciate it. Oh, no. You always are able to meet those expectations. Don't worry about that. Thanks. So, context. We are in the middle of the ATP Cup as we speak right now. Uh, when this episode going, is going up, uh, I believe it will be the final day of the ATP Cup. Is it finished on the Sunday? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so right now, um, we they were just decided on the semifinals uh, ties. And um, the ATP Cup is still a weird tournament um, in the sense that it's a sports team, it's a sports competition. I mean, it's a team's competition by country. And um, it awards points in a strange way. And it's for... All, for what it's worth, it's sort of just like an excuse to have a lot of stars playing against each other. Um, and this year, with because of all the pandemic and stuff, it's we've having we're having a lot of trouble putting the tournaments together. And the ATP Cup was no exception. It's gonna end like the day before the Australian Open. Djokovic is out, um, which he may be thankful for. Nadal hasn't played a single match yet, despite being technically um, supposed to have played a couple because of potential injury. Um, and overall, the HP Cup has never really been something that we understand <laughs> um, in the terms of its place inside of the sport. Um, it happens a couple weeks after the Davis Cup, which is the exact same format of a tournament, 
with a couple of differences in terms of how teams choose um, the players and whatnot. But it's essentially the same type of draw and how it goes, right? So um, always draws the same debate. Like, what is the ATP Cup? Uh, what, should it, what should the ATP Cup be? What do we want? Uh, do we want more team competitions? Do we want more um, country versus country type of thing? And um, I don't know. Uh, what do you think about that? Just to start off with that one, and then after we can, we can go a little bit into the matches. Yeah, sounds good. I think you put it really well when you said this is an excuse for the top players to play each other because the Davis Cup is another team tennis competition by country. It's very similar to this. It's I, I think it's over 100 years old. It's got a ton of history. Yeah, yeah. Um, something then, like that. Yeah, and, and now you have this. And I think last year it maybe avoided some of the criticism that it should have gotten because there were so many great matches. And I think this year the debate has kind of been ignited more strongly because it hasn't been that electric of an event so far. I mean, last year um, in the semifinals we had Djokovic and Medvedev playing this this three-hour match. The last two sets were two of the best sets I saw all year. And uh, in contrast, the semifinal right now, um, one of the singles matches is Medvedev and Zverev, which uh, two top players. But you also have Fonini and Carino Busa. They've split the first two sets, 6-2-1-6. Lots of streaky runs of games. And in general, I think the event this year hasn't been as high quality. And I think the fact that we do get a, a lot of top matches kind of makes up for a lot of its flaws. But at the same time, I think it's a little too much to pack into the year before the Australian Open, especially this year with the um, pandemic-compromised schedule. So I think maybe it would have been best for—I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, obviously, but I think maybe it would have been best to um, cancel the event. Uh, I actually saw Tennis in Aloha, uh, Judson Wall at Tennis in Aloha, had a great idea on Twitter that was like— um, sort of a bigger round-robin event where, like, everyone would get to play three matches or something, but there wouldn't be ranking points, and that way everyone gets match practice, but there's no pressure to sort of carry out an official event. Uh, matches could be canceled as needed. Um, but, like, in general, I guess I'm just happy to have tennis again, so that's that's what's at the forefront of my mind. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, uh, it's, it's good that uh, we are having tennis, and honestly, it's kind of a little bit of part of a one of the things that I wanted to talk about in the sense that sort of like how I feel like this, the, the people at the ATP are seeing this tournament. I'm not sure if, the, if I'm correct here. Maybe they're just trying to like extract as much money from the fans as possible. But um, I feel like there is a type of energy in, in a team competition that just doesn't exist in singles. And um, especially when it's a country competition, which is, um, it's very easy to relate um, whereas, for example, well, I mean, obviously there is the fans from Serbia who are very much fans of Novak Djokovic and um, tennis fans in, in, in America who'd be like, uh, who is the American who's winning and stuff like that. But it's much easier to cheer for um, your country when it's just named your country, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's interesting because there is, even though the competition doesn't have, doesn't necessarily stand for much, like a... You can see lots of energy, a lot of energy from the players themselves, from the stands. People are just cheering and they just find it awesome. And I feel like it's a really great way to find and gather new fans from for tennis because they'll be like, oh, crap, there's a new competition. Yeah. Like, for example, I myself, I am not, for example, the biggest um, 
hockey fan. Not that I don't like hockey. I am in Canada. I like hockey, uh-huh. but I don't follow the NHL all that much. Sometimes right. I, I look at the, the the standings, but I really love the the Olympics. Yeah, the Olympics, I was about to say the Olympics. Like, yeah. Yeah, and the the juniors competition is also is really fun, mm-hmm. um, which is really big also in Canada, especially. I don't know if America is that big on it as well. I know that their teams is uh, their team is good, but I'm not sure the the fans are as into it as we are here in Canada. Yeah, I, but yeah, I'm like, not sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. don't follow hockey, but I totally get what you mean. <laughs> I think um, if yeah. I, I would never turn on a game that was just an NHL, but if if it's the Olympics and maybe the US is deep in the draw, then I'd turn it on. Um, and I think I think you have a great point about this potentially bringing in new fans. It's it is easy to sort of uh, turn on your TV, see a country playing, and get behind them. So I think th- this could attract some new fans, even though it doesn't. It obviously doesn't have the prestige of the Olympics or even the Davis Cup. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I feel like there's a yeah. Uh, also, you you, ta- you you just said the Olympics as well, which even though it's played in singles and um, the singles players are kind of ha- representing themselves in a, in a way. But they are representing their country because their mm-hmm. their their medals are going to count for their their country's uh, medal count at the end. So yeah. there's a lot of, uh, for example, Team GB. Like when Andy Murray won uh, his two gold medals, is as Team GB. He he if it was a different energy from when he just wins um, a different tournament. Um, for example, the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open felt completely different from Wimbledon. By the way, oh, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't the same. He was like, oh, it's a Grand Slam, but it's like. We all know deep down that they won Wimbledon, so uh-huh. exactly, uh, yeah. So uh, one of the things that I find is interesting, and Gil Gross commented on Twitter also that um, the ATP Cup um, is basically the only tournament, the only the, an outlier essentially in team sports, in which that it happens every year, and. It's one of the things that I found like was one of the most obvious things, like to assign some sort of importance to something. You kind of you have to make it rare yeah. or hard to get into. If you just get into because the players of your country are just good, or and so by default you're in, it's a little weird. Um, the Davis Cup makes it a little bit more interesting because you have to play the ties, or I don't know exactly how it works now, but you have to qualify for it. So yeah. that makes it a little bit more prestigious in that in that way. But the ATP Cup just happens and uh i feel like it could we could assign a lot more importance to it if there was a way to get there that needed a qualification that is more hard for fought or something that happens once once every four years for example mm. um because for example we all know that t- tennis players career can span from i don't know 10 to 15 years 20 years if they're like roger federer and like right. really yeah stretching it so even in 20 years you can make like um five of those and you can assume that you're probably going to have an actual good chance of winning like two or three so that's Mm going to make it rare yeah so it's going to make a title that people will want to see and it's going to make it very important and on the side of like teams competition i also really wanted to see uh jerseys with um like custom design and name on it like i feel like it would be so much more interesting to watch oh i I agree i think like custom designs for the countries and everyone on the team would wear the same one that would just inject even more sort of um country spirit into it 
like if um if they're wearing something even resembling like a soccer uniform i think this might be a little cheesy but they could have their last names on the back um and like maybe even with a number but like i think mm. that could contribute to the atmosphere and i would be um in favor of maybe making it every two years and it could alternate with the hopman cup and that way both yeah. um every year you have sort of a team event before the australian open but you don't push out the hopman cup which is which was like this fun light event there are no problems with it um and i mm. i heard it's coming back but now you're gonna have this and the atp cup before the australian open and it's just too many events something needs to go or mm. something needs to be bumped out or made less frequent yeah, the ATP Cup should be made less. I think the Hopman Cup could be a really good stepping stone into like ranking towards qualifying for the ATP Cup would be interesting. Oh, yeah. I think it'd be really, really cool to have that or make the Davis Cup every four years as well, which would be pretty interesting. Um, would definitely make it a little bit a completely different format. And I, pro- I, I imagine there would be a lot of resistance from players and fans in terms of that. We already don't like the new format anyways, but if it's going to stick to that, maybe just make it in that in, in that manner. I feel it could be more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like this is... I, I'm just kind of getting a lot into it because I read um, the racket, um, Matthew, Ma- Matthew Willis's yeah. The Racket, um, a huge essay that he was writing about tennis and he's speaking about like how Muratoglu said the, 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 the 61-year-old fan type of the thing, you know? Uh-huh. And he was talking a little bit about like how to make tennis different and whatnot, and um, yeah, and that was a lot of format structure that he was talking to, and that that was just really interesting to me. And I feel like the ATP can be kind of like some sort of experiment from the ATP into seeing how do people react to tennis com- to um, teams competition. Well, I guess we will have to see in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think like. A team format is a great entry point into the sport for a lot of potential fans. But and hopefully in the following years, um, the ACP will sort of work out the kinks, maybe mold everything into a super team event, or just work out the problems with the ones that already exist. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I, the last thing before I jump into the matches, um, do you think that um, if we had more teams competition, that would diminish the value of the singles competition? Hmm. I think a lot would depend on where it was in the calendar. I mean, I think um, hmm. I think you don't want the team events to get overwhelmed by the singles competitions because I think those are the ones with the most magnitude. Like, for instance, if you put a team competition, you're like, oh, let's get more things on grass, and you put one like two weeks before Wimbledon. I don't really think anyone's going to care about that. I think like people are just going to be thinking about Wimbledon. But hmm. I think maybe after the U.S. Open, there might be room for one. I think maybe Shanghai or Paris could get scrapped on the men's side. Um, but in general, I don't see like the hardcore fans being diverted away from the singles competitions. I think maybe new fans might only watch the team stuff at least at first, but I think they would come to love the singles competitions as well. So I, I guess now I don't really see those losing any importance. Hmm. Uh, yeah. What do you think? And, um, I was only uh, thinking, I was thinking in terms of as well, that and and if we get to develop more teams competition in terms of a a minor league of tennis or something like that mm-hmm. um and i was just getting into the fear of maybe this becoming a separate tour and driving oh. tennis players away from the main tour uh just because they can make more either more money or they just get more prestigious and mm-hmm. more you know more um job security and th- things like that and you know, diminishing the value of even the Grand Slams, which would be huh. quite horrible for the sport, I would imagine, because traditionally you just 
you're just ruining tennis tradition i find yeah, so uh, i agree it's it's yeah it, it would just be a, a very um um tough uh you know trail to walk a, a very tough path to walk mm -hmm. uh, by you know it's a, it's not a very easy to see the future if you try and introduce different things yeah. in the sport you know there can be lots of benefits but there's a lot of uh Uh, setbacks as well that could be dangerous yeah I, i think so too i do think that the top players would be very hard to pull away from the current tour as it stands now tennis is top heavy in terms of its prize money distribution and so yeah. i think these uh even if it were a league they would need to come up with a very very attractive offer and a lot of money to pull one of the top players away but i do think maybe maybe lower ranks players like 50th and below maybe could be susceptible to being um to being pulled away but i but this would require like a lot of structure and a lot of planning so in, in the near future i don't really see this happening yeah that that'll be for sure yeah i uh that would be like my fear as well like if the 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 minor the side leagues kind of grow so much that it draws top players away from the main tours and it, it will be coming back essentially from the pre-open era ages in a way so I guess we'll see. And yeah, hopefully everything goes well. And yeah. back to the this year's ATP Cup. Um, what do you think? Any you, you, you were telling me before this that you wanted to mention a little bit about um, Djokovic's current state in the game, especially because you have some interesting views about the favorite person to win the Australian Open. Yeah, yeah, we had... Um... A really interesting conversation on Twitter earlier today about this. Uh, we think um, so. Anyway, Djokovic tends to be the favorite at the Australian Open. He's won the last two. He's won eight overall, but he didn't finish. He started 2020 very well, but he didn't finish it at his usual standard. He had some confusing losses, some losses in which he wasn't at his best. And something that I noticed in a few of those losses was that he wasn't really kind of suffocating his opponents on on the return like he tends to do. Like um, in Like usually, if he's at his best, he'll when he plays a huge server. Um, it honestly won't really matter. He'll find a way into a bunch of their um, their service games. I remember when he played Raonic at the Australian Open last year. He won in straight sets, and he had trouble converting break points. But he had a bunch of them. He had like at least fifteen. So, um, and I remember at the ATP Finals in his match against Medvedev, he was over one on break points against a team. He was over three on break points. And these numbers are just really, really uncharacteristic of Djokovic. And so I wanted to keep an eye on that this week. And against uh, Shapovalov, he didn't return as well as I would expect. He had he was two for six on break points overall, but he just got uh, one break at the end of each set. And Shapovalov served well, but Djokovic wasn't as much of a dominant force on the return as I've kind of come to expect in recent years. And, well, years overall, really, since he hit his prime. And against Zverev, he kind of struggled in the first set, but after that he got into gear, um, ended up breaking Zverev four times. Uh, his return looks great, especially in the second set. And this is an aspect of his game that he's really going to need to be firing at the Australian Open. Um, so uh, have you seen any of Djokovic's matches this week? And do you have any more thoughts? Um, I watched um, I watched a little bit of his match. Uh, I think I watched his, his entire match against Shapovalov. Mm -hmm. And I watched uh, the first and second set against... Uh, I, watched, I watched the last, the set, the first set tie break and second set against Zverev. Mm -hmm. um, and I, one thing that I noticed is that 
in the tie break he just played terrible he was yeah. he was not himself like i can i can you can get away for example with winning a tie break because Zverev actually kind of took care of his lead really well served pretty well mm-hmm. um in the tie break and bajokovic just hit like terrible unforced errors and he hit a couple uh returns uh return to serves um some returns that while the commentators were saying oh yeah like um what can you do against like a 20 like a 222 kilometers per hour serve yeah. i mean djokovic is not un not not used to it you know right he's return serves from Raonic and isner yeah um so he's played matches like this even on, on the second serve he's he's not it's not like he doesn't know that Zverev can do this. Yeah. So he he did end up uh, hitting a couple of just mistimed returns, which is that's what I feel like some characteristics. It's not necessarily that he's made to stretch on a on a return or he gets aced. Uh, that's normal. It yeah. happens. But he just mistimed it, and it was just strange. And hit hit a couple conservative shots that and just came to the net in like awkward times and yeah. it's where it just kind of it, it just kind of gave away the a couple of points to to uh Zverev, which were weird <clears throat> against Shapovalov i think he was just very um not sharp he wasn't he wasn't number one djokovic he was having a bad day yeah. although he he had a good enough day that he could break Shapovalov, but Shapovalov really just gave away a lot of like 27 and first errors or something like this it was pretty bad from him in in controlling that department, mm-hmm. um, and it's not like his winners of two first ratio was uh, favorable. He was a negative, so uh, it wasn't a great match. Um, yeah. But yeah, like second set against Zverev, he was far more like it. He could actually return the shots and yeah. serve well, um, pinpoint accuracy on serve as always, and uh, use his forehand to move uh, forehand and backhand to move Zverev side by side. And get out of those weird long rallies that take him nowhere. Yeah. Where the type of rallies that he usually plays as well with uh, Medvedev, where the Medvedev or Zverev just stands like two meters beside, behind the baseline and just kind of keep putting balls back. Yeah. But Djokovic just could start dominating. Uh, I didn't watch this the third set, so I cannot really tell much about that. So, um, yeah, he's just been up and down. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, I didn't see most of the third set, but I can say at the end of the match, he. He broke for 5-4, and he had a match point at 40-30. And after that, it was a pretty pretty horrendous choke by his standards to to give mm-hmm. it off. Um, 40-30, they have this long rally, the kind where Djokovic just zones in and, and doesn't miss and eventually extracts the error. And after, I don't know, 15 shots, he just hit a forehand like halfway up the net. And then on, on break point, he, um, he had a forehand on top of the net. Uh, picked the wrong side and then uh, missed a stretch volley, which was not an unforced error. Zero had a nice pass, but he should have put the forehand away. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, like it is interesting because you remember uh, when he played Monfils in Dubai last year, when he was down match point, Monfils serving a 6 3 second set tie break. He misses his first serve and then he just goes with a casino second serve straight down the middle, I think over 120 miles an hour. And Djokovic was on it. He just reflexed it right back like it was nothing. Mm. And and you're right, people do say sometimes, like, what can you do against, like, a 125-mile-an-hour second serve? But in the past, Djokovic finds a way. And his, mm. I think his reading has been a little off this week. He's he's had trouble reading some serves. Um, so I, I, I'm really sort of interested to see how this aspect of his game looks going forward. Because 
it, it's it's really important. It helps him neutralize huge servers. And if yeah. and if and if that isn't working for him, everything gets more difficult. He starts off rallies farther behind than he would like. Um, his opponent is going to get more cheap points, more more balls that are scored in the court. Uh, so it's. I, I wouldn't say it's his, maybe the cornerstone of his game, but it's it's one of them. So, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm I guess a combination of excited and confused to see how it looks at in Melbourne. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've noticed as well is a uh, uh, classic Djokovic um, not doing well is the fact that the forehand was off too was kind of spinny, not too much pace in a lot of mm-hmm. rallies. That was that was one of the shots that Zverev hit a hit a passing shot after hitting a lob from the, the backhand side cross court. Uh-huh. I think on the tiebreaker. And um Djokovic just put that forehand back on, on court, just kind of like a like a like a moon ball ish into the court. It was not an approach shot by any means. Just played a played bad shot. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not sure if I'm referring to the ex- exact same point there, but I it was I think on set point or something like that. And uh it, it was just a bad forehand. It, he just, you know, when you play, when he plays that forehand, he's just not feeling comfortable to hit it. You know what yeah. I mean? He's not going for it. He's not picking the sizes. Feeling like he's have having to overthink it, yeah. and that's not a good sign. Um, so yeah, I feel like the 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 return breaking down, the first sign that you see that is troubling him is the forehand breaks down as well. I find hmm. so. Yeah, I I think it's very possible. Like, I think the Djokovic forehand is one of the more temperamental shots at the top of the ATP. Mm-hmm. Like, at, at its best, it, it's so penetrating. Uh, the, the forehand down the line is a massive weapon. He can get it deep. He's he's ruthless on the one-two punch with it when he's at his best. But sometimes he kind of struggles to time it. I mean, this is a rare occurrence, but everyone remembers the drunk forehands against Del Potro in Shanghai. Um, and sometimes he can kind of loop it too much. Um, again, mistiming it. And and yeah, it's it's another really important part of his game that when it's at its best, it can be suffocating. He can he can just like push his opponent back with depth. It's it's a good finishing shot for him. But when it's mm. off, um, it's, it's it's a big part of his game. The rest of his game can suffer as well. So... Yeah, I, I'll, I'll keep an eye on the forehand as well, yeah. the next match he plays. Yeah. And I think the match with Zverev just had Djokovic number one and Djokovic the, the struggle, you know? Because mm-hmm. the, the first set was just not finding it. The, yeah. the mistimed returns were actually from the forehand side most of the time. He mistimed a couple on the backhand as well. It was mostly body serves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, the, the second set, the forehand was just firing. It's like, this is... This is number one Djokovic, right? Yeah. This is the guy that can win slams. And Zverev just looked hopeless on court in the second set, which he was, basically. So, yeah. And um, one of the particular things about the ATP Cup right now is that it's a week before the Australian Open. And despite the fact that it's not worth very much, a lot of players give themselves very, very much into... They're, they, they just give themselves to their matches. They just really try to win, Djokovic being one of those guys. Yeah. How do you think this is going to affect them going forward? Hmm. Well, I think Djokovic, Serbia is out of the tournament now, so I think he should have plenty of time to rest and be be fresh for his first match. But, I mean, this the Australian Open, does it start on Monday? I think so. They're, okay. That's what they're, uh, yeah, they're I mean, set on doing. I mean, that's three days from now, and this is just the semifinals. So I think in the final, if you play a three-hour match, like, yeah, you could be in trouble for your first round. Um, so I think... I think it, this totally has the potential to impact the Australian Open, but I think we won't see if it will or not 
until at least the the finals, and then we can see how attritional those matches are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like in general, this tournament definitely is capable of destroying a player's body. I remember, again, to bring up that Djokovic-Medvedev match from last year, if Djokovic had lost that, he would have had to play the doubles like half an hour after. Um, and it just kind of seems ridiculous to put your body through that much strain when not as much is on the line. And it could really impact your chances at um, a much bigger event. So, mm. I mean, I, I I never want to promote tanking, but I think... In, I, I was honestly pretty impressed that Djokovic came back against Zverev because losing a tiebreak set is tough. And I think the incentive was high at that point to maybe let the match go and hmm. and not risk like another hour, hour and a half on court. So I, I'd say if a player loses a set in, in this in this tournament from now on, especially if it's a long set, uh, letting the match go after that is sensible. Yeah. And who's back in the semifinals again? It's Spain and Russia. Yep, Spain, and Russia, Russia, Italy, and Germany. Germany, yeah. So what do you see of those matches? I mean, we have um, Daniel Medvedev and Zverev are playing right now. Yeah. Um, and then we have Spain, which supposedly has Nadal, but hasn't really shown up yet. Yeah. Um, so I guess like the, the most important things in here... Um, are the are these guys right? So you have Nadal if he de- if he decides to show up. Yeah. Then we have Zverev and Medvedev, who are all um, Australian Open contenders. Uh, obviously, Nadal and Medvedev are bigger ones, and, yeah. and Zverev is a little bit like um, sort of like a dark horse in a way, a little bit more than than others. But you know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, <laughs> what do you? What do you what do you think this is this going to hurt their chances if say for example um Medvedev and Nadal get to meet in the in the finals and Nadal actually gets to play what do you th- how do you think how do you think this is going to turn out first of all like uh, are they going to are they going to actually lay, leave leave it all on court or uh, I don't think it would be smart to I think especially Nadal has a very little to gain in that matchup if this is his first sure. match back against uh Daniil Roadrunner Medvedev, um, and then that's his only warm-up for the Australian Open. I think he's going to be rusty and exhausted by the end of it. Um, sure. So even even though there is national glory on the line, I don't know. I think, um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I just think the risk outweighs the reward here for pretty much mm-hmm. everyone involved. It's like, looks like Zverev just got the first set over Medvedev six three. Didn't take that yeah. long, but. Jeez, it, it, it's tough to predict, especially for Spain, because Nadal tends to need a lot of match practice. Uh, Carreño yeah. Busta withdrew like immediately from the doubles, and and he's about to lose to Fabio Fanini. He's down triple match point, <laughs> um, and and then you have Batista Agut, who's who's going to have to shoulder a lot. Um, so I don't know. I'd say Russia are the favorites at this point, just mm-hmm. because they have two top ten players. Um, that's true. I, I think even if Medvedev loses to Zverev, Russia will win the doubles. So, but yeah, like, I don't know. I just think even even for the, the freshest players, this isn't really going to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it, it, you, said, you pointed out like one of the, I feel like important things here is that being on the, the, the team that has two top 10 players and two good top 10 players, by the way, it's a, uh, Rublev is pretty ruthless against 
pretty much everybody else outside the top eight. Yeah. And uh, Medvedev is who he is. Um, Nadal is probably not going to play. Zverev, I feel like if Germany makes it through, um, it will depend on how much Zverev wants to win it. Uh, <laughs> so, but I would imagine probably is going to be an Italy, yeah. Italy Russia game. And I feel like if uh, Medvedev and Rublev are down for for a match, they have like a, a more straightforward path with least resistance, if you will, yeah. to victory. And it's just going to be sort of match practice for them. Not um, not diminishing Fonini and I think Beratin is still playing, right? Yeah. Um, oh, he, he plays Batista at um, yeah in a few minutes. Yeah. So it will. Uh, you, it's just so hard because you don't know. What do they want to do? You know, the players. It's, it's yeah. not like, it's not like, for example, you have a sunshine double, and you know that they want to win either or of those tournaments, right? Even if it kills them in a way. Exactly. So, yeah. So it, it's not like you gain anything by winning to back to back ATP Cup and Australian Open. It's it's nonsensical. It's like it's like a, it's like a, it's like you're playing a challenger before Roland Garros and. You know. Yeah, yeah, and it's like even if you go deep and there's a possibility to win the tournament, like wouldn't you rather sort of just like make it to the semifinals yeah. and then stop? Essentially, even though that's not how a tournament works. I think we yeah. saw um, with the WTA their their lead up event, Serena, and then uh, Osaka uh, also. Osaka, yeah, and then and then there's and a also third Azarenka, player, right? Azarenka, yeah, Azarenka. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like all three major winners who can see that like this event is maybe more taxing than they expected, and they're prioritizing yeah. the big event as they should, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, and look, like the last thing I want to do is praise Zverev in any way, but when he's playing well, he can he can beat top players. He's beating Medvedev right now. So, but yeah, he's also capable of going way off the boil and hitting fifteen double faults. So, a mm. lot depends on how he plays. Um, yeah, I, I have to say, like, the thrill for this tournament that was there last year is is just a lot lower. Yeah, I feel like that's that's one of the things. Like, uh, I would like to get excited for the ATP Cup, but there's just no reason for anybody to be excited for it right now mm-hmm. because it's just too close to, yeah. the, to the Australia. Like, last year we had a gap and it was fine. Like, you could, you could see, oh, yeah, no, they're going to have time to rest yeah. and whatnot. But, like, right now it's just, like, you know, I would rather see good matches in the tournament that matters because right now even if the plan is so that the atp cup matters in the future yeah it just doesn't right now not in the same way that um the australian open matters so and even the australian open it took its it took its time to actually matter (laughs) on tennis so yeah it's it's not like it does matter yeah um, yeah exactly i I argued that it's almost the most important slam in a in a recent article i wrote but yeah i i totally (laughs) agree i think like um, it, the start of the year really is the Australian Open, and so anything yeah. that could compromise the quality at that event, I'm really not in favor of. So, yeah. Um, and, and I know it was tough this year, and players had to get match practice, but I, yeah, I, I, it's too close. It's just too close. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the the idea of a like an exhibition, um, few matches. I don't exactly remember what was the structure that you said, but like that type of thing that this can just pull out and. You know, just be fine with it. It's, that would be a much better idea to get people with match practice and just kind of like get the feel of how to be in a match again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess since we added and um, let's start with this. Like, how how do you feel like the ATP Cup changes the 
upco- the the outcome of the Australian Open? Do you think it changes anything at all, or is or is the Australian Open just going to be sort of like solid predictions, like top four and nobody else type of thing? Well, yeah. So, so my predictions for the Australian Open on the men's side: top four. I don't see anyone else winning it. And and if we look at how the ATP Cup is going to affect them, Djokovic I think is fine. Uh, Serbia is out. He's got a couple of days to rest now. Um, so physically, he should be fine. Uh, yeah. Medvedev, ongoing, he's still playing. Team, um, team played, uh, he breadsticked Benoit pair, <laughs> then retired from the match. Um, so, <laughs> so he should be fine. Nadal, I think we know the least about. He may or may not play. We're not sure how attritional the match or matches he plays in this tournament will be, if he does play at all. So, so I guess like this is capable of impacting which of the top four will win, but I don't think it changes the fact that I think one of them almost certainly will. One of them will win, yeah. Hmm. So, um, what about the Australian Open? You, you think you're, you're more interested? Like, let's talk draws, for yeah. example. Um, there is a... We, we've seen the, the, the ceremony, we've seen the draw, which, by the way, I haven't really taken a much a very close look yet. You won't but, look bad, um, I haven't either, so... What? You won't look bad. I haven't either. I'm just going to be scrolling through the oh, Australian yeah. Open site like, oh, that match looks fun. Yeah, this is kind of like, oh, how, how I always win. By the way, I never really get to watch all of the matches from the Australian Open, mind you. It's, yeah. it's too late. Yeah, and, especially early. Like, yeah. um, even if there's a nice first-round matchup, the, the time change is just brutal, and you're saving yourself for those later rounds. Yeah. I mean, uh, the only thing... I'm, I'm really thankful that I can watch semis and, and finals because it's on yeah. Sunday, on Saturday and Sunday, so I can kind of watch overnight. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Which, by the way, fun fact here, the only match that I've actually managed to watch overnight fully was um, the year after the 2012 final, which I lost. I couldn't watch that match live. Uh-huh. But I believe it was Andy Murray versus Djokovic, and it was a total... Tr- you know, disaster of a match. Like in a sense, it wasn't. It oh, was yeah. too quick and it was boring. So uh-huh. that, it was good to see. Yeah, yeah. it was good to see it, the champion. But mm-hmm. I mean, it yeah. wasn't as good a match, a classic as it was 2012. Oh, oh no, definitely not. I, I don't think uh, there was even a break until more than halfway through the third set. And like, and and it was a it was a decent match. Got like three and a half, four hours of tennis. But yeah, 2012 was definitely the one you want to be up for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I lost that one, and yeah. That's pretty much it. I will try. I keep trying every year just to watch him, but I never really get to. I keep watching a few matches, but it, in, anyways, uh, let's let's see what this one gets us to. Uh, since I'm this year is a little bit different because I'm finally doing the podcast, and you are also. So we're almost in a un, unspoken obligation of trying to watch as many matches right. as we can. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what is a, a first round match that you find is interesting for whatever reason it's going to be fun or it's going to be a challenge for one of your players I believe Medvedev is playing Pospisil right first round uh, yes I think so that that should be a good test for him right away Pospisil beat uh, Batista Agut and Raonic at the US Open hmm. yeah um, so th- there's a spot in the draw that has a lot of popcorn matches um, we have a Nishikori and Karina Busta those two played a five-hour match in the fourth round in 2019. Uh, so, w- well, it's a little sad to see that it's a first-rounder now. Um, should should be some good tennis. We have Shapovalov and Sinner. Um, oh, yeah, that's I, true. I, I, think, I think that'll be great to see. Um, that'll be a great test for Sinner. I think even though he's unseated, Shapovalov is 11th seated. 
I feel like he might go into that almost thinking that he's the favorite. And it, it, yeah, and if he wins, it could be a good confidence boost for him. And if he loses, sort of back to the drawing board, because losing in the first round of a major is tough. And then we have, there's another nice one in the section, yeah. Oh, we have Dimitrov and Chilich, which uh, two two players who are, are past their primes. Chilich has won a major, Dimitrov's made a couple of semifinals. So, um, so it should be interesting to see if they can find their best or close to it in that match. Yeah. I think uh, all of the, these matches, uh, aside from the Pospisil Medvedev, they're just f- fun matches to watch, entertaining. Mm-hmm. I feel like if we got to see any of these guys making it far, it would be probably like a fourth round. I have not seen who are they projected to meet. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how far they would go before they meet um, one of the top contenders. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I feel like Medvedev Pospisil is, is the one that I... I keep thinking and, and rethinking that match, uh, in a sense, because I can't see Pospisil winning this match, yeah. but I cannot exactly tell um, how long would this match be, uh-huh. because I feel like it depends a lot on um, it depends a lot on how Pospisil is playing his game. I find, but I don't think he can he can win because I said that on Twitter as well because of the lack of a, a decent backhand. Yeah, so I feel like Medvedev is just gonna be able to you know find his way i feel like it's going to be something like a six seven or five seven and then six two six two six four at the end of the yeah, match I, for medvedev I, I think that's a good prediction yeah. like apparently the courts are playing really fast but i think even so hmm. pospisil is just going to have to hit way too many shots and yeah. if and eventually even if he does a good job tactically early on the match is going to be played on medvedev's terms i think it's hard to get around that like if if his serve isn't firing well he's gonna settle in from the back of the court uh m- might throw in some net rushes um yeah i i think medvedev is too well-rounded to lose that one but it will be interesting i think maybe he could lose a set get taken to three three and a half hours hmm. and and no one wants that in round one you might want that in i don't know, round three round four as a test for the matches that are going to be really tough but no one wants that on the first day of the tournament you want to yeah. be on, on and off the court as fast as possible yeah, I feel like if Ma- if Medvedev wants his first win in a five-setter, he-, he would probably want that in the quarterfinals. Yes. <laughs> or later, not in the first round. Yeah, or, or, and if he or does it in the, the first final. round, yeah, if he does it in the first round, he would probably pray for like straight sets until the semis. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that would be that would be his 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 thing, I guess. Yeah. But since I, one of the things that I find is like, in, especially in terms of uh, when the majors begin, is that um. It's obviously the the first rounds, like one and two, would say it's a lot of just fun. So it's there isn't much uh, in terms of how you can predict things are going. You can only see exactly how the 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 matches are going to play out in the semis and finals yeah. um, a little bit later in the tournament, especially in the second week. That's when things get actually serious. Yeah. Um, so. Just for the the fun of uh, of it, I, I guess. Like I, we did it before in the other slams um, with Vansh. Um How about you say your predictions for for both men and women semifinals and finals? Sure. Okay. So w- for the ATP, I'll be boring and and say it's going to be the top four. So uh, that'll be Djokovic team and um, and Nadal Medvedev. Uh, like it was at um, the ATP finals and predictions here are so difficult I think yeah. you know I'll, I'll I'll say if team 
well, what I'm about to say is going to contradict my Twitter prediction that Medvedev wins the <laughs> tournament. Um, I'll, I'll say if team gets to the semis in good condition, he beats Djokovic. Um, hmm. I think I think Medvedev actually beats Nadal unless Rafa is playing really well, and then yeah, and then maybe team team in the final five sets. Hmm. Um, I have yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, sorry, I was done. Oh yeah. Um, so. I have this feeling that Nadal is not going to get to the semis. Really? I think I, he's going to lose in the in the quarterfinals. I don't actually know much of like who is he playing against. Um, I think it's going to be... Well, if if it's Rublev, then he's definitely going to make it into the semis. But I, I don't know. I, I think Nadal has the easiest path of the four um, to get to the semis. But I think yeah. uh, once he gets there, he's the least likely to win. Mm, yeah, because I, I I honestly think the only path for him really is to if he can get there with not a lot of with a lot of gas still in his tank, and then once he gets there, he he cannot mess up at all. I think. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm yeah, yeah I'm seeing maybe a Daniel Medvedev Stefanos Tsitsipas semifinal. I think that would be really interesting to see. Huh. By the way. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I, I think that could be a great match. I, I think Medvedev yeah. would win probably four, but um, but yeah, it it'd be good to see Tsitsipas in the late rounds of a, of a major again because last time he was there yeah, yeah. he he almost well not almost but he came somewhat close to pulling off maybe the biggest shock in some time uh, against yeah. Djokovic yeah I wanted to say Zverev was also going to reach the semis but now that I see that he's in uh, Djokovic's um, path to the fourth round I don't really think this is going to happen anymore no yeah he, he's, um, he's not going to win yeah. that match yeah no way so we have team, and he's projected to meet uh, Schwartzman. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like the only thing that I'm going to say the difference I feel like um, Tsitsipas is going to make it into the semis. Okay. And um, I feel like Medvedev and team are going to play it for the final. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think Tsitsipas beats Nadal then in the quarters? I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be my bold prediction for the year. Okay. That, that is bold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that that yeah. would. That'd probably be the best win of Tsitsipas' career. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. I, I I feel a little bit off picking against Djokovic just because, like, I, I've done it before. He, he plays his best yeah. at the Australian Open. But at this stage in his career, for the first time in a while, I feel like his best might not be quite enough if he has to play Team mm-hmm. and Medvedev. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just concerned about how he's playing now, but we always get a little bit uh, of a different Djokovic when he plays in Grand Slam. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Yeah, yeah so... The- hopefully hopefully nothing... I mean, is it going to be live Hawkeye this uh, time? Yes, so no, no danger of being defaulted for... Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. No, no defaulting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I so, mean... Yeah. yeah, although with... um. It's definitely going to be a tougher draw this time than it was at the U.S. Open, but yeah, oh, yeah. I feel, at least yeah. you won't have to worry about that. Yeah, it's getting tougher not only just because the the guys are coming up stronger, but they're also getting older, so it's oh, yeah. it's getting a little bit difficult for them to keep up, um, even though they're doing absolutely fantastic. Yeah, uh, Nadal and Djokovic are, but it's not going to get much easier. not going to get any easier i would imagine yeah exactly like if we remember 2012 like they they could both run for days no matter who Forever, they were playing yeah. and that's what they did yeah. that year but now it's just like if if they come up against someone who's fit like hungry for the fight and able to rally from the baseline they they have to change things up they can't 
Yeah, they, they can't yeah. win by a Tristan anymore. At least not with the same consistency against the top players. Yeah, yeah. Let's see how Nadal's preparations have been going because he's he's been practicing a lot, practicing a lot of volleys, I believe. So okay. he might want to try uh, some serving volleying techniques and finishing the point a little shorter than. Uh, he normally would have yeah we've been so, seeing that we'll more, see. more and more from him it, it eventually he, he's got good touch um it eventually cost him against medvedev at the atp finals he um yep. in, in that three all game third set he hit some bad volleys and got passed a bunch but yeah, <laughs> yeah. um I, I i think he needs that part of his game going forward absolutely yeah 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 so if we go to the infinitely yeah, more exactly. more deep uh wta draw <laughs> and hard to predict <laughs> yeah oh my gosh um so, who wants to make their definitely wrong prediction first? Oh boy! I mean, gosh! Like I- I- immediately looking into the second and third round, it's already hard. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I would imagine. I do, I wonder how Barty is going to do this year, in the Australian Open. The crowds are going to be um, less fierce, yeah. and because of you know, it's going to be less people. And on this, on the on center court, so maybe she will have a little bit of a chance. I have no idea how how is she doing. I mean, she's in the final, even though she got a walkover. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she could have been could have could have beaten uh, Serena Williams regardless, but uh, it wouldn't have been easy. Obviously, it never is. But I think she's in a good position. She's number one, even though with a little bit of an asterisk, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But I. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bank on uh, Brady again in the final. I think she can reach the quarters and our semis. Mm-hmm. But I think it could be an interesting. From the the first semifinal bracket, I I I would imagine. Oh, Sophia Cannon is here too. She's difficult to predict you what she's going to do. She is. Yeah. But I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, maybe Azarenka or uh, Cannon in the semifinals against uh, Brady. Um, Barty, mm-hmm. and then from then on, it's really hard, nearly impossible to say he's going to reach the final. Yeah, I think Azarenka is going to make another comeback to the final, to another Grand Slam final. Okay, nice. I'm gonna, I'm nice gonna, pre- yeah, I'm gonna be bold again for this one. Um, and on the other side, I feel like this is where this is where things get get tough. This part um, of the draw is stacked. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Every single um. Every single seeded player is is a threat. Yeah, um, only one of Muguruza, Kerber, and Osaka is going to make the quarterfinals. Jeez, yeah. So, uh, man. So I'm going to say that the winner of the winner of um, Halep and I think Sabalenka is there. No. Yeah. Wait, hold on. The winner of Halep and Serena Williams is going to make the final, I find. Okay, yeah. I I, I think that's realistic. Do, do you think Halep beats uh, Sviantek if they both get to the fourth round? I think so, because I think even though Halep is, is um, better, I believe, in a, on, on clay and she got beaten by Sviantek, mm-hmm. I do think that there's a, a chance that uh, Shratek's level is not going to be as incredible as he was during that Roland Garros mm-hmm. uh, run. And, and it is um, a hard court, so... Yeah, yeah, and Halep is far more experienced, so she's probably going to be studying that match, like, that, through true. and through, if uh, if she's going to, to meet her again. Um, so I find Halep's going to make it through. 
And on the other side, I would imagine Osaka and Dresco are going to make it to the for uh, to the quarterfinals. And depends on who's healthier. <laughs> that would be such a great match. Oh, I, yeah. I I would like to see that match. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, if we could get a healthy Bianca Andrescu, um, yeah. the, the tournament will be so much better for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if she's healthy, she's got. I, I won't say as good a chance as anyone because I think physically there's just a big question mark. I, and I think even if she's not having injury problems, playing seven competitive matches basically out of nowhere yeah. is it's just a brutal ask. So I, yeah. uh, so I, I feel like she is going to lose before the semis. Um, I, I'll say I, I think Kennan makes the semis. I think I'll, I'll say Barney makes the semis as well. I think even yeah. without a crowd, she's she's the top seed playing at home. She'll be motivated. And on the yeah. other side, maybe. Uh, oh, by the way, there would be a repeat, right, of the uh, semifinals of last year. Ken and Barty. Ken and Barty. Yeah, yeah, I guess it would be. Um, that was that was a close match. I think. Um, mm, yeah. yeah. She served for the set twice. Barty did. Oh right, right. Yeah, yeah. She had some nervy moments. Yeah. And, and then and on the bottom half, I'll say. Osaka and Halop come out of it. Jeez, uh, this, this is so hard to pick. Um, like, <laughs> uh, I, I bet like two of these players won't make it as far as the semis, maybe. Yeah, or, exactly. um, but yeah, okay. I'll say the final. It's going to be Kennen and Osaka, <sighs> and then, gosh, I don't know. I'll, and then I'll, I'll say Osaka wins it. Yeah, I think I would imagine a, a Ken and Osaka match. I feel like Osaka has the more firepower to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and she's uh, also far more yeah experienced and you know yeah. she's been number one. I, I, I don't think there's a huge difference in, in firepower, and and I think they both have they're both incredibly cool headed under pressure, but sure. uh, but Osaka has been there more times. So yeah, yeah. So so, so I'll, I'll go with Osaka to win a second Australian Open. Huh. Um, I I don't know exactly who I said <laughs> I was going to win it, but I think I had a Azarenka in the final. Yeah. And um, gosh, I think I don't want to predict Azarenka or Serena Williams, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I think it would be really fun to see that again. Although I don't think it's going that to happen. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be. Uh, Actually, I think it's going. I think I said the the winner of uh, Halep and and uh, Williams is going to go to the final, but yeah. I'm I'm changing that. Okay. I think it's going to be Osaka and Azarenka in the final. Again, again. nice. It's going to be a repeat. Yeah. I I take that. Yeah, and I think I think Osaka is going to win it again. Yeah, I I, I feel yeah. like I feel like she's just a little too strong for a lot of other player top players. Yeah, especially considering uh, Azarenka's serve is not is it's not great. Yeah. Yeah, and Azarenka can zone for a set, uh, like she did at the U.S. Open. But but mm. w- once Osaka locked in, it was it was a really really uphill battle for Azarenka. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 that was a great match. That that would be an amazing final. Yeah, you would. Yeah, it so. was the better final. <laughs> it was the better tournament in general. Actually, the WTA, the the women's tournament at the U.S. Open was yeah far oh, yeah. more um, competitive. I would say than not that the U.S. Open men's tournament was bad but like <laughs> culminating in that final was yeah, just there, was, there were some pretty just... weird matches like uh yeah. like Carino Busta going up two sets on uh on Zverev I think and 
and I, I think someone else went up two sets and lost like late in the tournament. Oh, and, and you had that Tsitsipas choke. Oh, it was a, yeah, Tsitsipas. Um, yeah, and, and that final. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. I mean, drama. Yeah, but the quality it was, was just, just a perfect way to finish that tournament. <laughs> you could. <laughs> I'm laughing because it was it was just such a crazy tournament, and then there's got to be one of the weirdest finals I've ever watched. Yeah, because come on like uh not to reminisce too much on it yeah. but like uh it's just tough not to talk about it because Zverev essentially choked that match oh, away yeah. he's and then, for it. and then yeah. and team almost choked that match away yeah. as well yeah yeah i, I but, remember i was tweeting yeah. in first i was like Zverev will serve for the u.s open and i was like team will serve for the u.s open and i was like there's gonna be a tiebreak <laughs> yeah, 68 was... miles per hour for a second yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> this barely is, goes through the th- night. This is going to do a bit of a disservice to the players, but at times it was like who wanted it less, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, it was it was essentially like who does anybody even want this tournament? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, I think um, I, I don't know where we were going with that. But yeah, the the, the U.S. Open on the women's side was was way way better. Oh um, no. So yeah, hopefully we get hopefully we get two great great tournaments this year. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say. So, so my women's champion will be Osaka, and then I'll I'll say yeah, actually Medvedev beats team to keep it consistent with my prediction earlier today. So yeah, um, okay. Medvedev and Osaka win titles. Yeah, um, I don't remember who I called. I think I called Medvedev for the win as well. I think I'm gonna call Medvedev and Osaka as well. I'm gonna mm-hmm. gonna be I I could mix mix it up and say Djokovic again. Uh-huh. But I think I'm going to go for Medvedev as well. <laughs> Mix it up. Go, go against the grain and pick the eight-time champion. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and and it's so weird. I was I was talking earlier on Twitter with, with the ATP. I, I'm not totally convinced by any of the top four, but but huh. Medvedev's form has just looked the best to me. So I think if he avoids like another Favrinka situation like he had last year, yeah. I, I think at the end it's like if he plays well, and this sounds crazy, but it's like I don't see how Djokovic is going to beat him, I guess. Hmm. but yeah i i, I don't know i mean we'll, we'll see i i haven't seen Medvedev playing yet this year but uh if djokovic keeps having those ups and downs and doesn't find a way i feel like Medvedev has a really really solid chance yeah. and even team has a solid chance i, I um, think so too. i don't think it's gonna i don't think it's gonna be as tight as he was in the u.s open final no um that would, that would be nearly but, impossible yeah. yeah yeah so as a grand slam champion i think he can he can pull through um and beat djokovic if he finds a and finds a, a and, and like an opportunity an opportunity for it mm-hmm. so um, yeah it could be a little bit more difficult to predict this year as well but yeah, yeah i think i'm gonna go with zverev in terms of consistency i feel like he's showing that a little bit more but then again like a, a grand slam best of five we'll see yeah. how it happens but yeah I, I agree that team could beat djokovic as well because uh he made the final last year went to five sets and since i think he's gotten a bit better and djokovic's play has been a, a bit worse so, yeah. so so i think if that trend holds he could absolutely win yeah, and another final concern, I guess, for the Australian Open is that we've, in the middle of this week, we, we've had a situation with COVID. Right. And play was canceled for one day. Yep. Yeah, everyone and, had to uh, get a negative test. Like yeah, 500 people which, got tested. So I'm not saying that I'm scared that the Australian Open could be canceled altogether like in mid in the middle of the tournament mm-hmm. but i wonder what are going to be the logistics of of finishing the tournament yeah um, if something like that happens and again just like the u.s open happened last year and we were scared that 
imagine you get to the final and one of the players get tested positive and that's it like oh yeah you get a win you get a finalist you get a grand slam winner by by walk over that would be a pretty disappointing (laughs) end that would just sum up the last 12 months wouldn't it yeah exactly it it was just going to be like 2020 part two (laughs) yeah Uh, i i really hope that's not the case yeah like i think the moment when i stop being scared um that something will happen to the tournament will be when like match point you know exactly i was about to say like as i will only take a take a sigh of of relief when final ball has been struck on center court on the final so yeah 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 but let's hope we get some matches that we can talk about for for years to come yeah, for sure. Uh, hopefully, get a lot of good classics, and um, we'll see if the best of five debate gets reignited, mm. <laughs> especially on the women's side. We'll see what happens oh, in yeah. that one. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that happening happening on the women's side because I like the format. I don't want people yeah. to talk about getting rid of it. Yeah, but it seems like every every Grand Slam this is gonna be the case again. So we're gonna have lots lots to talk about. Yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, for everybody who's out there. Um, today is Sunday for you. If I finish editing this episode, if not, it's, it's Monday. But whatever it is, uh, enjoy the Australian Open. Um, feel free to chat chat up with us on uh, Twitter. Uh, I am at Rollenberg Andre, and Owen is at Tennis Nation. And Vansh, who's not here today, shout out to Vansh, uh, is at Vansh VTK, and we all are at Tennis and Bagels on Twitter. Feel free to. Uh, send us DMs if you have feedback or um, chat with us and tell your predictions. If Feel free to agree or disagree with us and tell us why we're wrong or why we're right. And all the jazz, we are going to be very active during these next couple of weeks. And yeah, hopefully you can watch the Australian Open from wherever you are, even if it's late. Uh, but don't neglect your, your life for this. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah so, thanks for having me. I had a great time as always and looking forward to some good tennis. Amazing, right? Uh, same for me. And we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 